All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig the Bear. You are quite adorable, Mr. Bear. Well, he Glad likes you to figured out Craig the Bear. I remember when I was a bear. That's pretty awesome. So with that, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42, as we review the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episodes three and four. I am Ian, and I am here with my host, Dan. I don't have time for this. He's a man with no time. Timeless, really. Sandra from Sandra from the far off land of Arizona. Do my boogie for one hour and 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 one second. Michael the Spaceman Martinez. I'm in space and also uh, Arizona. Cool. I mean, Arizona's hot. not in space. In it's, space. Well, it feels like Tatooine or worse, Taku. 130 degrees. Y'all are ri- ridiculous living there. But it's dry heat. Dry heat is not better than Texas heat. I'd just say. I don't know. I remember two days ago. Um, so, <laughs> so speaking of space, this episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier does not take place in space at all. But Dan, since you were not here for the first two episodes, as you were off um, feeling all the bacon from the Bacon Man. I like bacon. What was your brief recap of episodes one and two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Episode one was pretty cool because it set up everything, uh, specifically that uh, Falcon doesn't want the shield because he sucks or something. Uh, also, uh, his sister needs a loan, but the bank said no, even though he's Falcon. He still wanted an autograph. And it was like, what the fuck? That's fucked up. Anyway, uh, that would be John Walker. He's a really weird-looking Captain America, but, I mean, he looks like Kurt Russell and... Uh, Goldie Hawn for some reason, so we'll we go with that. Uh, uh-huh. And then, like, uh, some other, st- and then Bucky shows up, he's dealing with trauma, he has a has a therapist now, she talks, he talks to her, he tries to fix things, uh, he killed a, a, a poor boy in a hotel, we, we get to hear about that. Uh, episode two! <laughs> and then episode two, we kind of get this whole uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon thing where they try to find out the Flag Smasher situation because that's become a big thing because his buddy from the first episode talked about it and uh, also uh, it deals with the repercussions of letting John Walker be uh, the new Captain America and how they're all like oh how dare he be Captain America but he's Captain America <laughs> because you decided not to take the shields you suck gig you letting Steve down and yeah and then um you also be Black Star. I mean, uh, it, it is, sorry, Battlestar. My bad. I thought it. Whoa. God damn it! I, I thought it, I, I got that wrong. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Silver Rage Marvel. It's like, hello, I Black. Don't give Marvel any ideas. I'm going to hell. Sorry. Clearly, I'm, I'm going black to hell. Lightning because of the lightning. So yeah, Battlestar and his buddy, uh, his buddies with a. Uh, uh, John Walker, and he's like, "Hey, man, you you fought the war. You should be good for this. You, you're gonna be a good Captain America." And I'm the good and cop. Blah blah blah. You're the bad cop. I'm the good cop. It works. Uh, and then uh, we we get to be we stop at them going to go see Zemo, and that's the end of episode two. And also bunnies. There oh, may or may not be bunnies in that episode. With Pretty that, good. that brings us to episode three. Power broker. Right. So, who would like to start? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, may I, or should, or should someone else take the take the lead? Go for it. Okay. So. Kid. Okay. So the episode starts. It. What looks like it could be one of those ads that you see on YouTube. 
that's like if you don't have that ad block that sweet little ad blocker about the what is that one what is that one uh pl- that one thing called uh g g r c yeah what is that is that what it is uh, global Four. repatriation uh council or committee one yeah, so so that's what it is, and then Captain America. I mean, fake Cap. I mean, Steve Walker. Uh, uh, John Walker. Oh my goodness, they're so different. Yet I'm com- combining them into one weird blob. Anyway, so he turns out that John Walker is is working for the GR- GRC instead of the government because maybe some reasons behind the scenes. And then John Walker's like trying to talk to someone in Munich about like some leads about the the Slag Smashers, and then he got spat on because you know why would you? You would probably do the same if you were if the other guy's shoes. If you see fake cap, and then as John Walker says, "Do you know who I am?" And that got me to that one. You know what it reminds me of, boys and a few listeners to our girls. <laughs> What's that? that one scene in Animaniacs where where someone says to Yako Wako Dot, "Do you know who I am?" and Wako said, and Yako says, "No." Do you know who I am? No. Then we're even. Oh yeah, there's definitely an entire situation of complete disrespect for this so-called new Captain America, and he's supposed to have this commanding presence. And the guy's like, "I don't give two shits who you are." Yeah, and that's what that's the problem with. Uh, this new Captain America, because the, the old Captain America starts out as like a like a like a symbol of of hope and well, freedom. Yeah, not, yeah, and not only that, he was used to to sell war bonds and stuff. This one is basically a police officer in a in a costume. Basically, I mean, he was he was a U.S. soldier had like three uh, Medal of Honors, I think it was what they were saying. But he's all like, I regret my Medal of Honors because uh, angst. I'm gonna blame it on angst. Man, angst. But it's like at least at least that angst is justified. So anyway, so I was gonna say I didn't really see it that way. Um, for me, it was more like clearly frustrated with his his war career, though. Like we like if you remember later in the episode, it's like we only got this because we went to Afghanistan. Oh, I thought that was episode four. Oh, yeah, that might have been episode four. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going right. to um, say, like, like you're dumping the gun here, so, but that's okay. I mean, we're talking. He still we're talking. comes off frustrated even in this episode before we get to episode four, regardless if that line's not there. That's why I was kind of going. And uh, also, this is the start of, like, the unhinging of, of John Walker. It starts Absolutely. from there. Well, he's got a basically. It's like a big chip on his shoulder, he, and he feels he has to live up to some legacy for Captain America. So I feel like when people don't respect him, he's he's definitely like a hot-headed type of character. Yeah, I mean, you can see the insecurity in episode two. Like, I don't know if I can do the job. It's like this is a job. Yeah, and Battlestar has to basically talk him up because initially he didn't even want to go outside and be like the new Captain America. So it's like a lot of like. Trying to prove to psych himself up at first. Yeah, and I I know there's a lot of angry people saying like he's not our Captain America. Here's the thing, he didn't choose this job. The government did, or at least the the G G R C. Like, like you, you, you over there. You're the new Captain America. Yeah, here's you a have, suit. You have three medals. We, here's the suit. You're Captain America now. 
I something mean, I actually really like about the character is that sense of self-doubt because at the same time, this is somebody um, who, yeah, they have, like you were saying, yeah, they have these honors upon them. I think they're also seeing everything that occurred, everything that they went through, that um, kind of caused them to do it, including, like, we haven't, we don't know as much yet, and I'm actually curious to know more in terms of what they actually had to do, because it's interesting that uh, Battlestar doesn't, didn't seem to have any real regrets about it in terms of why they won their medals, what occurred in Afghanistan, uh, John does. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that was definitely something that it felt like they were trying to do to make us relate to John a little bit more and to kind of humanize him a little bit. But um, I'm not sure, like uh, like going back, basically that whole scene in the, in the second episode where they're going through the locker room and he's, you know, downing himself. But really, the, like, the more that we see him, the more... Like that doubt is kind of like it seems like it's eating at him, and it's uh it's not coming through. It's he's not gonna be okay. It seems like yeah, he's gonna he's not gonna be yeah. Something tells me he is not gonna be fine in the in the last two uh, episodes. And all I can I know there's the big discourse like we that's not our are ca- not our cap. Let me tell you something. Uh, there are worse people who can replace. Uh, there are worse people. Than John Walker, and one of them is William Burnside. I, I just think people are, can't seem to dissociate the character from like the actor in some situations. Like they're, they're like, let's hate on the actor because he just happens to be Captain America in this show is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's fu- yeah, it's funny. And it's yeah. funny that how people are don't know fact from fantasy. And all I can think say is this. If you can't do that, I would suggest stick to National Geographic, because at least that's somewhat real. Yeah, at least, look, water is wet. Elephants are animals. The sky is blue. Mm. Yeah. Oh, when this is pretty awesome. And when also, you hear so, about the... Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Dan. Sorry, I didn't... If you, were, if you would need to... Go ahead. I'll, I'll just wait. Uh, I was just going to say... When it came to the... The part where uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, the death threats aimed aimed at uh, Wyatt Russell and our, uh, you know, and fandom gets too crazy. I mean, that, that that's something that's uh, that goes to the the strength of the of the character, and it gets warped. And that's something that you know they they're talking about in the show itself. And right now, you know, life is imitating art, and art is imitating life. Because, you know, people have such strong feelings about Captain America and what he represents. And people still put their own spin on it, even though you get to see examples of, like, Captain America straight up being in a situation saying, like, this is how I feel about it. And then still mm-hmm. people will find a way to warp it and make it fit their views. And it even reminds me about, like, even, even in the comic books, when they were going through their Civil War... The person who ended up trying to shoot Spider-Man and ended up shooting, uh, I think it was Aunt May, um, he was wearing a Captain America shirt. Yeah. I will that say... Is a deep, that is deep. Go ahead. Between episode two and three, I actually really felt for Walker's character. Like, he was trying to uh, work with uh, Falcon and Bucky, and they basically ridicule him the whole time, make him feel like he's not part of this. He's just there because he's a publicity stunt. And it's also part of what was like that whole feeling of eating that maybe I'm just a joke type thing. And I mean, 
not going to go into episode four just yet, but yeah, at this point, I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to play more uh, sympathetic at this point, and I, which I did appreciate. And uh, like, and he's just getting more and more frustrated as the episodes are developing, just because nobody's uh, acknowledging where he's come from and what he's done to get to this position. Which is funny because you mentioned that they're treating him like a joke and then he was there for publicity because that's what a, Captain America from, if you've seen the first Avenger, that's what he originally is. He was there to sell war bonds and people are like, and some soldiers are like talking smack about him. And that's how Steve Rogers felt. He was feels like he's a monkey. I mean, like, uh, even in the beginning of like episode two, if we go back there, uh, they start playing the same war bond song, uh, with the band, but like, it's just a variation of that, uh, actual, uh, music from the movie. So it's definitely a lot of correlation going on there just over the, the two episodes there. Okay. So, you know, going back to that whole little ad, ad, that's on episode three people i like i like how the people thought of like thought that disney plus now is putting advertising in front of the front of episodes just to make sure like they're watching or something and then we're going to get into the jailbreak scene with um zemo zemo baron zemo because we just revealed he's rich in case anyone in case anyone didn't read a a, you know, a gosh darn comic. <laughs> I actually love this scene because, like, uh, Bucky walks into the room and he starts saying the code words again, and Bucky's just like, "Oh, that doesn't work on me anymore," and just, but he's like, because he starts going through the different sequences. I was just like, "Awesome!" <laughs> I just like, as yeah, I just feel for Sam. Like, I don't like. I just feel for Sam. Like, I don't like the way he he says hypothetically. <laughs> Sounds very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Their and whole interaction, we, and then we get the most streamlined jailbreak scene in the history of jailbreak scene. That was, that was so slick. Really did that. So here you and go. The, um, it's, Sam's like, I do not approve. It's already happened. What? It's too late. I didn't think you would uh, approve, so I did it anyway. It's like what? This came out of left field. We didn't discuss this. Bicker, bicker, bicker. Best married couple. Yes, and. During this whole bickering thing, it's like Sam says to Bucky, "Do you think Wakandans forget about forget about it? It being, you know, Baron Zemo, because he caused a whole lot of malarkey, and people still love about him to this day." Mm. I mean, what I really uh, like just getting more, the fact that they finally revealed he, he was a Baron, just and then just the build up throughout the episode to more and more of the comic book of Zemo. Is just what really got me going on this episode. Dude, seeing him in the mask, the coat, and everything. When well, he put the coat on, and then he picks up the purple mask off the table, I was like, "Fuck yes!" Yes, in his cult is he hits his costume in his many one of his many vintage cars. And I was worried it would actually look silly. Like that's I mean I appreciate like in Netflix uh, they had the whole. Uh, uh, just uh, uh, the whole uh, alias show with Jessica Jones, basically, mm-hmm. and like they didn't do the Purple Man, and I was like worried with the mask it would look silly, and it didn't actually come out silly in, the, in this show. It's kind of come off as menacing because it has to do with the shade of purple. It's not oh, like yeah, a, it's not like a Barney purple. It's like a like a dark mauve. 
Yeah, because if it was like comic book, yeah, if it was the comic book colors, it'd be a little bit sillier. But the fact that they did, like you were saying, like a darkish purple, it actually comes out more menacing and red. I think there's also hints of red in there too. Mm -hmm. Because really, when it comes to anything like that and making it work on the railroad color tone, like it's not necessarily the color, but the color tone that kind of makes everything work or not work. Right. Yeah, if it's like a bright Barney. The dinosaur purple. It's like you will get a. Uh, you'll be laughing around, laughing in your laughing on the floor. Hey kids, I'm Pierzino. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh. This is worse than the time Barney the uh, Tommy Wiseau read us a story. Let's see a Barney that was a Barney the dinosaur from Animaniacs. Where it's like, huh? You guys aren't bitter at all. I mean, with how quickly the prison thing is, how quickly the power broker died it was just as quick. Like, hey, I'm the power broker. Okay. No! That actually wasn't the power broker. That was uh yeah, that was somebody good. somebody else that they came over to see in, in Madripoor, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Madripoor yeah, looked straight out of the comics, by the way. It oh, was yeah. so awesome. Holy shit. It is okay, hey. as someone who, you know, who went to you know parts of Asia, it is amazing. It's like it's Macau meets Singapore meets Hong Kong meets Shanghai all into one with and added piracy, a her, a history of piracy in it. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm not gonna lie, part of me was like, you know what, I'd break I'd break a lot of hang out there. Yeah. Yeah, well, they uh terrible. Anyway, you know. so uh, you know, Zima with his all his millions of dollars of uh Sokovian royalty money, they go to Madrip Madri- what do you call it? Madripoor? Yeah, Madripoor. Because the power broker is there and he know he knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy about the power bro- power broker. All right, right. So yeah, so they they go to Madripoor disgu- in disguise. Bucky's is in his winter soldier Shtick and and uh, Sam is is a uh, African rake. Smiling hmm. tiger. Also, yes. And this is also the first episode we got to see uh, the leader of the Flag Smashers, which they which is essentially like her comic book counterpart, but you know they just uh, tweaked a few things. Yeah. So let's see. Hmm. Wait, oh yeah, Madripoor. Oh yeah. Did anyone mention that Madripoor is actually a reference to the X Men? Comics. I, I need. Uh, I, I need to geek out about this for a minute. Okay, go ahead. Geek, geek away. Um, yeah, like as you said, Madripoor was first introduced in the X Men comics in um, uh, New Mutants. And while I'll put a brief part in there, uh, Madripoor features more heavily in Wolverine. And so this is the first location that we've seen that's specifically X Men location in the MCU. Uh, then it's so interesting is that the Princess Bar is run, run by Wolverine. There's Alter Ego Patch. Probably didn't see no patch. Yeah, but the fact that we saw the Princess Bar, that itself is really cool. What other crumbs will the MCU give us? (laughs) I just don't want another boner joke, that's all. Yeah, it's going to be the boner bar. (laughs) The boner bar? I feel like if there's a boner joke, Baron Zemo would like just kill someone. It's like, ha, you guys thought you were going to get the X-Men. Ha ha! Welcome to Club Boner. Do, 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 do. Speaking of Club Boner, on Baron Zemo's Club Dance is the greatest in the world. I am so happy that Marvel put uploaded a one-hour video of Baron Zemo's Club Dance. Yeah, there's an extended version of it, apparently. 
Yeah, so and it's on it's Marvel's official YouTube channel. So yeah. it's not like some sh- some schmuck who's like, I'm going to extend this for one o- for one hour. But here's the best part that Marvel did: they added like like additional clips, like from different shot from different angles, so they know it's like legit. It was interesting watching an interview with this actor. Like, uh, he has a very Milwaukee accent because of his Spanish and German uh, background. It kind of sm- sounds like something you would hear, like from Milwaukee. At least Daniel Bruhl is from Europe. <laughs> it's like- yeah, but his accent sounded very much like someone from like like a like uh, the movie Fargo or something to that effect. It really does. He's in Milwaukee, right? So I, let me look at let me look at Milwaukee just because I feel oh, no, like I there's. Exactly what you mean. Have you seen his interview that he did recently? I haven't seen the interview that he did recently, but I've seen some of his previous interviews. Here, let me get one. Civil War. It was the one, uh, the most recent one he did. It's with his mustache for an upcoming movie. Yeah. Oh, here we go. It's a, it's from three days ago. Can't watch it right here, but yeah. That is the that that mustache is for his, yeah, like, he's playing in a World War One movie and that's why he has the mustache. But God, okay, that that okay, uh, that explains it because Milwaukee is like a German American diaspora. So there you go. So what you're saying Sorry. is there is also going to be a cut of this episode where his mouth is like really horribly digitally touched up <laughs> and digitally shaved. <laughs> And they're I was coming out like, hey, Zemo, uh, what motivates you? And he's just like, uh, killing superheroes. That hurts. Like, yay! Anyway, I was so... like, really hoping we go one episode without going, hey, DC. Hey, y'all like to? Hey, did you really Take like a the drink. Weed and cut? Does anybody like the weed cut? Oh, I've been drinking this whole show. <laughs> yeah, you drink uh, Guinness. That's a, that's a mistake uh, for a different day to discuss. Oh, no, I'm already. I'm drinking Guinness right now. I'm sorry. This is awesome. By the way, speaking of is, speaking of uh, Zemo, uh, Zemo is still a bastard, but he's a charming bastard. He's he's a, he has all this. He has this good taste in music, cars, fashion sense, me- and yet he's still messing up. He's still messing and messing with Bucky. Bucky's head. Pretty sure he might kill me, but I want to hang out with him. Yeah. So don't get on his bad side. Anyway, so they went to low. So there, in Madripoor, there is High Town and there's Low Town. That's a Low Town is where the action is, because you got yourself. It looks like something out of Blade Runner, Cyberpunk '77, John Wick. It's all the all this all the stuff. So cool, slick. And I, I will say this. Um, I know. Um, oh Dan, you you've got the was it Double Vision? I've seen those sequences in the um in Madripoor. Freaking awesome. Hmm. Sorry, I was getting my IPA. Okay. Anyway, so at the club, at the at the club, at the club, <laughs> um, Bucky was getting into to a fight with some guy. You know, probably for like I'm I'm still bad out there after all these years. And this is what this is what got me a little bit nervous is that that he was Bucky was fighting while while every like every patron was getting their phones out and and like recording this. It's like. I'm getting a feeling this will play off in a different episode, not the next episode, for other for good reasons, but probably in like episode five or six. And uh, see, oh yeah, they got uh, uh, Sam got caught because Sam, 
Uh, they got caught because Sam didn't turn turn off his phone, even though they're trying to like go undercover. And d during the chase, because uh, during the chase, uh, they run up to Sharon Carter, Miss Age of Thirteen. I haven't seen her in quite a while, <laughs> which is That's nice. This nice is really cool. And I, this is what I like about this new the new character of Sharon Carter, even though we've seen her plenty of times, but she's there as the love interest. Or yeah, or Steve Rogers replacement goldfish. Yeah, and um, just like because all that time she's not been pardoned, unlike the other other Avengers and their allies, she's not been pardoned. She's still on the run for breaking for breaking the law. Which is kind of messed she, up. She in is way. doing she's okay was, though. She's doing yes. pretty well for herself. Yes. <laughs> Keep in mind, she's doing okay. She's a she's a, she smuggles high end art. She has a nice apartment. I want that apartment. <laughs> That's, and she that has a, and oh, by the way, that's in Hightown. That's like the rich part, and it's kind of serendipitous that she's like hanging out in Lowtown, where she's where she hangs, where she like you know saves Bucky, Sam, and Zemo from getting killed. I'm wondering if she's the power breaker, broker. People, Feel like that's a possibility. Feel I want I want to I would say, but I don't want to get my hopes up after the other Marvel show that got boners, me. Boners, man, boners. <laughs> time for speculation dr jones yeah I, I feel like the sad thing is like i want to have all these series but i agree after wandavision i realize that all my theories are probably wrong yeah it goes to show that for someone like me i'm often wrong <laughs> anyway so yeah she's doing okay it's just that she's like you know bitter of for for not being pardoned and and she's she can't see her family and and i'm just thinking hmm yeah what happened yeah i'm just thinking what like what what happened and also, so, also Sam offers her a way of getting back to the states, which he doesn't even know if he can do or not. Yeah, because yeah. he can't get alone. He can't get alone on a boat. Yeah. So, yeah, right, he, can't, he can't even get alone on a boat. And he's like, "Hey, I'll get you back into the states." <laughs> and it's not a yacht. It's a it's a rickety old boat. So he's holding on to old memories. I think in a way, like this is this always speaks about Sam's character because even in the worst situations, tries to maintain that positivity and really he is kind of he is kind of he of the Captain America characters he is kind of the heart of the team for that reason. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it kind of makes sense for someone who was there to try to bring as we'll talk about later, someone who was who was original who after his assignment he basically played group therapist for the soldiers trying to get them reacclimated into the world. So it kind of makes sense that he will always have that idea, even if he doesn't necessarily know that if he can, that what he's saying will occur. He's going to try to basically create the best situation for those he's worked with. Okay, with the way you said that, I have a prediction of this whole like, because people are like waiting for the whole John Walker versus Sam Wilson fight. I was hoping it will end. if that does happen. I hope it will end with Sam like talking, like talking to him, like like really talking, not just beating each other up. I think it's going to end up that way only because Walker uh, not wanting to get into episode four, but yeah. I'm just saying that everyone needs help. Everyone needs help. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a douche nozzle. Everyone needs help. Mm. Anyway, so let's see. They find the the guy, the scientist to for the the super the new super serum super serum two point And it, okay, here's a question: Is it just me, or he's giving off like 
Lex Luthor from Batman v Superman vibes. Man of Steel vibes. I don't know. I thought Zola was going to come back in, uh, as well. So he has, I think it's because the way he was talking is like, he sounds like he, Jesse Eisenberg in some ways, but he's not. Mm. He was definitely mm-hmm. had that uh, twitchy vibe to him. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate that we didn't get to see a little bit more of him. Thanks to uh, thanks to our boy Zemo there. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Zemo like shoot, shot him because he does because the the more super sur- soldiers there are, the worse. He's trying to yeah prevent that, so he literally is cold blood shoots him dead. <laughs> and I think uh, Zemo says like, "Do you think we need another Red Skull? Because that's what that's what that's what happened. Red Skull got the serum and he became who he is." And um. So that's the funny thing. Like uh, Zemo's motivation for this is still genuinely valid, and if he is, even if he becomes the antagonist to do so. Yeah, I think like w- with antagonists, wh- whether it's uh, Carly or Zemo or Walker, they're antagonists, but they're but they're not really like you know your stereotypical villains. Hmm. Like hee hee hee, I will take over the world. <laughs> One of the strengths of the show is that. Everyone actually is fully fleshed out. It's really nice to see this. I mean, you can hate an antagonist, but you kind of understand what they're going for. They're trying to make you relate with the antagonist for sure in this show. Does that make them redeemable? I'm not sure. Yeah, it really depends. Yeah, it really depends how this show is going. Because right now, we're uh, there's only two episodes left. Right. Any. Anyway. be interesting. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna, you know, talk about more scenes. So. Um, no, no, I was just saying it's going to be interesting to see. But, um, yeah, what's up? Keep going. Okay, so let's see. Um, they met, you know, like, it's, like you said, he, they were shot in cold blood. And then, meanwhile, Sharon Carter, who was like the lookout, has the best fight scene ever. Yeah, that fight was freaking awesome. I mean, you can see that she is the, the grandniece, question mark, of Peggy Carter. Because if you see Peggy Carter in the like Agent Carter series or any any Marvel films, she fights dirty. Yes. She was, fights with grit. So cool. I like the whole uh, cargo thing when they're going into the basement area. Mm-hmm. The little fake, uh, the fake little cargo door that leads into the basement in the first place. And then, like, when they come back out, they get into this full-on brawl uh, uh, with uh, the Flag Smashers. Yeah, and so, during the, okay, during that whole, like, se- the whole scene, um, it was revealed from uh, Dr. Nagel, the scientist who created the, the Super Serum 2.0, that there are been, like, eight, like, no, 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 20 Super ser- so- Super Soldier Serums. Right. Uh, yes, and, but there's but there's eight people. So there's eight slipper soldiers, twenty vials. You do the math. Yeah. So it's up to. So they're going back to this. They're they're going back where. So they're so they're going back to Europe. I um can't remember which plot part of Europe. Help me out here. Latvia. Latvia. Okay. So they went to see to gather information about where Carly is, where the Flag Smashers is. Meanwhile, um, I mean, not like all of a sudden. Bucky found like two beads, Wakanda Wakanda beads on around on the floor on the on the on the gra- like on the ground on the in the wall. So Bucky being being awesome put two and two together is like I know where you were and then 
da, 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 da. Oh, a Connor showed up. And can, I can't pronounce her, her name to save my life. Help me out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I got this. I think, it was just, I think it's just Io or. Uh, Io. Okay. Yeah. 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 A-, A Y O. Yes, Io, and she demands Zemo. And she demands it now. Yeah, she does. kind of key because she's played roles in um, The War. She's played roles in Black Panther. She's even a senator in Wonder Woman, which is pretty awesome. I didn't even know you could do that. But, um, but, um, yeah, like seeing, like seeing her pop up in the episode was actually really cool. Yeah, that was the just only a, thing. Uh, go ahead, Ian. Sorry. sorry. Uh, the only thing that I thought was kind of, kind of interesting is that a lot of people thought it was uh, D- Danny Guerrero's character on the internet. And. Um, what? He actually came out and said that wasn't actually me. That was this character. Yeah, because was like, you know, I'm just not going to get into that here. But uh, yeah, apparently she had to come out and clarify that was not actually her character. Gotcha. I mean, uh-huh. uh, I haven't seen The Walking Dead in a while, but I heard that she left that show, so that would have been cool if she showed up. But that definitely was not her. <laughs> get it together, okay. people. Um, so if uh, Sandra, are, if, is it okay if I, if I jump in here? Oh yeah, I'm done anyway. So, okay, so I'm gonna uh, now that we we've gone through some of our gushing about episode three, I'm gonna throw something out there. I kind of uh, was was telling Ian about this uh, the other day, and probably not gonna be the most popular opinion, but I, episode three for me was actually my least favorite episode of the show so far. Even though I overall liked it, I just felt like this was not as uh, structurally strong because I I felt like they were bouncing around a lot from location to location. A lot of things were kind of just like too like convenient for me. Um, there are certain things like uh, they go to uh, that one bar because they're desperately trying to try to uh, get some lead on where Carly is and what she's after. And they finally find somebody and she's all super important. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I got all this information and you, you're not going to find anybody else who's got this information that you need. And then, bam, she's dead. And there's Sharon. And she's like, oh, let me let me let me track down this information for you. And then one little dance scene later, he's like, yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that was just a little bit like it, it, it felt like a little bit uh, like things were just a little bit too convenient. Like uh, another thing, like Zemo just happens to find a car that they can escape in after the scientist gets killed by him. And for me, it just felt like a little bit too like obvious that that Zemo was just dicking with them too much. And he was just he's baiting them. He's manipulating them. And I really hope I end up being wrong uh, in the end about him turning on them but it's not yeah but it's like it's like they they specific like what did you think was going to happen when you too far like in anything they've done they don't really stray too far from the marvel formula so if you're like if you're expecting anything like groundbreaking you're not going to get it here they're going to follow the same tropes specifically like hey we're going here, but we're not trying to kill this guy. And then they go and they they kill him because they're trying to get information out of him. Zemo kills him, and they're like, they're "Hey, they're gonna go on." They're, gonna go on, on Zemo. Um, they're they're probably gonna go all, full on like you know no, like regular site regular Marvel ending ending in the last episode, just like with WandaVision, where they just like here's lasers here, lasers there. We're gonna fight each other with lasers. 
I mean, WandaVision had the same problem. Like, they had this nice concept, and then by the end, it basically became another Marvel-type show where there's a big bad you fight at the end, and then they win. I'm just waiting for for the other shoe to drop for for Zemo. I'm just like, if you're expecting anything surprising to happen as far as, like, character growth, you're watching the wrong type of movie is what I'm getting. Well, there there have been surprises, but it's just that this part, I felt like this this episode kind of was strained under the necessity to set up a lot of the different characters and to set up a lot of different uh, plot points they're trying to get to. That uh, and then another thing is like this whole time, so wondering um, like where the hell is is Falcon suit? Like, did I, I know they specifically show that like Carly like slaughtered poor wet uh, Red Wing in the second episode? But you would think he would have like some kind of backup, and they're trying to do all sorts of like little stealthy surveillance things, and it kind of felt like they were, yeah. they had to forget about the fact that they have access to all this technology, but at the same time. Another thing, because you know, I, I know we're all uh, happy to see uh, Zemo's little, little dance moves and to see him, you know, pull out his, you know, what's your superpower? I'm rich moment. But mm-hmm. you would think somebody who got uh, arrested for bombing the UN would have their assets seized, and he would yeah. no longer have access to his his resources. I didn't and know that was convenient. Fuck. It's like, yeah, I just have full access to all my my money. I'm like, but uh, yeah, you have a point there because sometimes the UN. <laughs> you kill I, yeah, you, yeah. I think you have you guys have a point there because I'm the type of person who likes to watch those like those like uh, murder shows. And usually, if a per if that if the murderer has a lot of money, the they would freeze the. The, their accounts. Yeah. So that, uh, but, and, but I no. have to go into a Marvel movie and expect that there's not going to be any deep uh, gains. There. Like, don't expect it to be grounded in reality completely. I mean, it's but just I think the fact that, that we don't really see villains like this. We haven't really seen because this seems like they're kind of giving us uh, Zemo as like our uh, appetizer for when they eventually give us Doom. And right. so we're getting to see him as, you know, the charismatic, he's, he's rich, he's uh, got titles and, and whatnot. And I you think he's might just... want to like him and hate him at the same time. But uh, I, I, I think uh, there, there's also, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily just like a, a Marvel thing because, you know, same questions come up when, uh, you know, you see Lex Luthor bust out of prison. He still got his yacht or whatever. Oh, absolutely. But I didn't. This... I wasn't saying like DC doesn't have the same issues, but yeah. Like they have this whole like, hey, let the villain basically do what they want, no repercussions. Uh, their money is always accessible, type thing. It kind of feels beyond uh, reality at that point. And, and it may does I interject? Kind of, bring up, um, may I interject? Yes. It feels like for the way uh, Marvel is framing Zemo right now, it feels like he's. Feel, it feels like he's just a placeholder for Loki until Loki, Loki the series shows up. Yes. I was like, hey, look, this series is a couple of months later. We have to really push uh, Zemo now because we're trying to set up something with Zemo. Uh, but Loki! I'm going to put one thing. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I, I talked about this with you a little bit, Ian, and, you know, having it out there um, and having, like, heard it, like, before everybody else and digesting it, what, what, do, you, what do you think about it? Bring up one thing I was trying to mention earlier. 
Uh, it's a key thing they mentioned in the show and something they mentioned in the comics. You can't extra- extradite. Uh, that's a law specifically in Madripoor. And um, it kind of makes sense if he has private accounts specifically through Madripoor that because of the non-extradition law that he would be able to access those. This seems uh, too convenient to me. Oh, but it's actually something directly from the comics. So in oh. that regard, that actually makes sense that he would actually be able to access his funds at least through a bank that he had at Madripoor. Now, should they have confirmed that? Should he have a line talking about how he has an account specifically in Madripoor? Or at the same time, can we inform, imply that the fact that he is clearly very much aware of this place, clearly has been there many, many times, that he is somebody who would take advantage of that just in case he falls in such a situation. And but that's also, fine if you're a comic fan, but if you're not a comic fan going into this, it just seems too. Which convenient. is, there's a lot. Of, that's our. That's the majority of the viewership is non-comic book fans. So, I mean, I would probably assume he would have some like uh, some bank account somewhere in Europe or in Madripoor that's like that's untouchable. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, it, de- is- it definitely would not have hurt for them to like throw in a little line about him, like. Because there was a line. Like, they were like, hey, wait a minute, you're rich. That would have been the perfect time for them to throw something like that. Yeah, this money, like, it was tucked away. They're like, hey, um, were you not in jail? And do you not have all your stuff seized? But, you know, Ian, Ian doesn't have a point. Like, there, there's obviously, I mean, there's obviously places where evil people can tuck away their money where it can't be touched. It's just mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have hurt to have that line. Um but, you know, overall, you know, I did like the episode, but it, it definitely wasn't uh, the case where, you know, going yeah, back to like WandaVision where like each new episode was like, oh, the, the bar has been raised, the bar has been raised. I didn't feel that with this one. Um, it was cool, though, to see, uh, like Sandra saying, seeing uh, Sharon have her moment, um, have her badass moment. Then they also had Zemo. He got his badass moment, too, after, um, you know, they were attacked by all those different assassins and he like started, you know, kicking ass as soon as he put on that mask. And uh, Sharon got definitely got a, a taste of her action. Um, it just uh, would have been nice to see. Um, I, I realized they had to leave uh, something for the normals to do, but it would have been cool to see uh, Falcon with his uh, his suit a little bit. They're kind of conveniently leaving that part out, but we would do you get it. Later. Would you imagine if, like, like Falcon tries to hide those wings in a big fluffy coat, like he, like he's a, like he's a big shot in from Atlanta? Was something that my wife brought up, like, uh, eventually when we get into see, uh, episode four, like she was like, "Where the hell does he hide that thing?" Yeah, that's a good point. But they in the comic books, they're, uh, you know, I, I think they they go through several different types of transformations. The 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 kind that the suit that he has now seems like inspired more by his uh, ultimate uh, Marvel appearance <laughs> more than anything else. But I think there was a version of it where it was kind of like this, uh, um, like hard light wings, something like that. And it's it's kind of surprising that uh, he doesn't have something a little bit more advanced at this point, a little bit more um, sleeker, mm-hmm. something yeah. akin to like a you know Iron Man's like nano suit and. You know, it's, it feels like technology is going to, like, get there. So hopefully we get to see something a little bit more streamlined for him down the line. Get me that like, Stark uh, tech. <laughs> isn't in the comic also, like, uh, isn't Red Wing actually uh, an actual uh, bird <laughs> instead of actually a technology situation? Yeah. Maybe we'll get a bird. <laughs> bird man. Oh, hey, by the way, you're my thing... best friend. Here's a bird. Hmm. 
Is, remember the in the last episode we talked about kind of the impact of Mark Runewald's Captain America run. Considering he was on the book for over ten years, it makes sense. Uh, there is another actual direct reference to his run, and that was the uh, Brass Monkey Saloon or the Bronze Monkey, which is actually a part, which is from that original run back in the eighties. Hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. No, it is. That's what I was saying. But, That's um, a good catch. The the thing that I think could have fixed a lot of these. A lot of the pacing and structure issues. It honestly, just been a, a splitting this episode up into two episodes, and making a seven episode series. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of because honestly, a lot of the like the the stuff in the old town to when they get to Newtown feels like one half of an episode. Well, the it feels like it is, an episode by itself. Then the other. I mean, the episodes are already uh, fifty minutes long, though. If we did it again for another fifty minutes, like would people still be as interested? Is the problem. Like, a lot of it's just exposition anyway. It feels know, like maybe they could have used that time to uh, maybe develop Sharon a little bit more, since it seems like they're going to go ahead uh, and, and, you know, make her a little bit more integral to the, the plot than we, than we thought. Um, it wasn't definitely, a, back, it definitely wasn't like a one-and-done um, appearance, as, as we learned in Episode 4. So it, it might have, uh, you know, been a little bit nicer to... to let those lines and let the scenes about why she's had this complete shift. Cause it seems like she definitely got more jaded about superheroes and about Avengers and everybody was just, I forgot who, who exactly said it, but somebody was like, Hey, she kind of sucks now. So it would have been nice to see, you know, a little bit more about like why she, she felt that way. So yeah, that's I, why I I still say she's definitely the power broker, at least the right hand man to the power broker at the very least. Well, since we're since we're uh, already like six, are we? Tell me, are we in six? This is six episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since we're in like two thirds of away, I think it's going to be a possibility possibility that she's going to be the power broker. But again, I don't want to get my hopes up after what happened to WandaVision. I will agree on one thing, though. I feel like since it's only six episodes, they're trying to be too ambitious with not enough material to get us there. Like, we're already four episodes in, and it's like, okay. I feel like I felt I was a little bit longer. uh, I'm sorry, further along with WandaVision at this point than I am with this show. WandaVision wasn't also seven or eight episodes as well? Well, no. That show was uh, nine episodes, actually. Yeah. Then the episodes but, uh, are also shorter. Oh yeah. yeah, true. But the fourth, but still, by the fourth episode, I got an idea of what they were trying to do. This episode kind of felt like they were floundering. I have to admit, it does. Even though it's a good episode, um, it's very convoluted, and I and I and I have to agree with like several reviewers. One of them, including uh, Angry Joe from the Angry Joe Show, said, "I mean, it's a good episode. It's just very convoluted." Yeah, I completely agree. Um, by the way, just to confirm, because I know we mentioned if, I know, Dan, you had asked if Sharon Carter was going to appear in the f- future appearances. She is confirmed to be in all six episodes of the show. Oh, not all six. She wasn't in all six episodes. Not all six, but like, you know what I mean. The, 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 the rest, the rest, and the yeah, rest. going to be the rest of the show. Yeah. As like, she was not in the first or second episode. She was hiding. Stealthy. She was it taking was, a nap. Was, yeah. She she totally popped up in the in the background and you know they're gonna I know, do the whole I thing know, where like, it was Sharon all along. I know that Sharon I know they, all along. Hey, look, I know they mentioned her name, but that's it. 
All right. Uh, episode four. So that brings us to episode four. The whole world is watching. All yeah. The history. This episode was like, oh shit. This episode was fucking okay. I'm gonna say this right now. Uh, this is the best episode so far, in my opinion. To be honest, I'm, I'm still like, oh god, I'm still like marinating this episode. They they should have uh, renamed this the title uh, this of this episode. Local man uh, ruins everything because Paul Walker just not Paul Walker, sorry, John Walker. Walker Paul Walker's dead, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul no. Walker could have he was in the running for Captain America, all right. But anyway, he just would not stop fucking things up in this episode. It was just like, damn, dude, stop, dude. I almost oh. had you. Oh my goodness! I just I just found this out through Wikipedia because I was like typing in the the episode name. The whole world is watching. the The term of the whole world is watching not only has to do with the the ending, but it's actually a phrase chanted by anti Vietnam War demonstrators. So yeah. that has some deep cuts right there. Yeah. This is the episode where you really see the anguish and the rage in Walker's character, though. Yeah, I know. I, that's why. That's why after this episode, I went on tw- Twitter, Facebook, like, look, and Tumblr, and it's like, look, I know you guys have very negative feelings, but keep in mind, Wyatt Russell is an actor, okay? I mean, his character is not redeemable at this point, but definitely the actor has nothing to do with the character. Wyatt Russell just seems really cool in real life, man. He's just, he's crazy Steve. He gone from fake Steve to crazy Steve. And I just like, all I can think about that one scene is that is like, he, well, he's never going to be an Avenger now. So, and I just broke into song. Can we talk about how cool it was um, that this episode opens up in Wakanda? Oh yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah. Um, we get to see Bucky during his uh, meditation. Uh, yeah. As soon as we saw Io and uh, and Wakanda, though, something did pop in my mind. I was like, are they gonna at any point? Because I believe this show is set um, six months after Endgame. So mm-hmm. at this point, are they going to use uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to touch on like what they're gonna do um, with T'Challa's character? But they did. Not they didn't bring him up. Anything. They didn't say anything uh, about you know the king or reference anything like that. They just like straight went into um, you know dealing with Bucky's situation, how he relates to what's going on with Zemo, and that was a, a really nice moment to see. Uh, a really nice scene with Sebastian Stan, and when he gets to realize that the trigger words don't work on him anymore. He kind of just like breaks down in happiness and she tells him that he's free. That was really yeah. powerful. Yeah, he actually yeah, cries was, during the scene. That was one of the that yeah, I have to agree. That was one of the best like little character moments in the show. We should take a moment for Battlestar. Oh <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, that death felt I, I didn't want that death to happen because that was the only flaw in the episode so that death felt almost orchestrated. I'm like, no, don't. They need to get the comics. Don't, don't kill me. It was a push, dude. It was clearly a push. I know, but it and reminded me of. Sorry, it, it reminded me that was that Jonah Vasquez made a comic, and the whole joke of it was that was the best. It was the worst, worst action movie ever. And there's a moment in there where they say, and of course the white hero's black partner has to be sacrificed to save the noble white guy. 
And there's a line in there where they just say, uh, oh my god, you killed Blackie. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> but it didn't I, him. Instead, it pushed him off into a different direction. Motivated him. Can't say it didn't. It more for the worst. <laughs> for the, yeah, motivated him for, to do the worst. No. Like, he was yeah. the voice of reason of the partnership the whole time. <laughs> He's the good cop. He literally was like, man, I look up to you because you're literally doing what what is the best thing, man. But you know what? If I had uh, access to these vials, I would definitely take it on in a heartbeat. Yeah. And- Thing. So it's like I, I don't know if that necessarily made him the voice of reason, but it, it seemed like he was def. He, he was. I, I don't think he was the head. I think he was the heart. Um, he was the morality pet. He he's he, what kept him from going over the edge. Is what I'm saying. He he definitely believed in um because because he whenever he talks about when 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 John was bringing up his uh his doubt of himself, you know um Lamar he was. The one who is basically saying, uh, you know, you have these these medals of honor. You have three medals of honor, and then he 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 buys into what that represents, and he buys into what Captain America represents, and uh, that's great. But at the same time, there is that that moment where he's like, "Oh yeah, I would totally take this," and they and make that's a point. What John needed to hear at that time. Yeah, they they make a point to follow that the, to have that that scene right after they have the scene with Sam and and they Zemo asked Sam like, "Hey, if you had the bio, would you take it?" And he was like, "No." And it goes back to what they established in the first Captain America about you know power dynamics and how that uh, affects your your worldview and basically you know talking about whether it's it's the power that corrupts or whether there's something inside of you that was always you know wrong but that something that comes to light uh as this episode progresses but i want to like get into some of the other stuff that happened with it like one of the cool things like uh after we see bucky's scene uh where he gets where he realizes the trigger words don't work anymore i thought a cool little thing for him and it was something that i was wondering about is he, he speaks Wakandan, and I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, and even though it does end on kind of a sour note, where uh, Io is, is telling him, you have eight hours, and then we're going to take him. Yeah. It's not like she's coming like, hey, we're good buddies. It's like, hey, uh, you kind of betrayed our, our bond, uh, but I'm still going to give you eight hours, because I at least owe you that. Because <laughs> really, I was completely in the right. I mean, you look at what happened, and um, for me, that there's no, I get what what Bucky and what Sam and Bucky are doing. In the views, in the view of Io, it's like, hey, he killed our king, and you're just walking around with him. And it goes yeah, to that, that one. Issue. It goes to that one line that I mentioned. Like, do you think Wakandans for like forgot like forgot about what Zemo did? Which is why I feel like Marvel is trying to push this whole. Hey, Zemo's fun. He's silly. He's not so bad. Narrative. At the same time, we see the other side of the narrative. So it's like, are you trying to push that he's the bad guy? Or are you trying to push he's actually redeemable? Because it can't be both. Mm-mm. I kind of appreciate the fact that it's. I kind of appreciate the fact that what they're doing, what they're doing in that regard, because in a way, it almost feels like audience. It doesn't seem fun. I don't think it does because it's putting us and as the audience into a place. We're like, oh, this guy seems all right. He's 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 dancing. And then we get to that scene, and we're like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot the reality of what this guy actually did. 
Yeah, he's never a good guy. Like he could do all these song and dance things, but at the end of the day, he's still Zemo. I like that because it kind of gives a little bit of whiplash to the audience from episode three to episode four. Because yeah, this guy who kind of forget as the audience for a few minutes, and then they bring, they pull you back into reality, and it's yeah. almost like we're taking those characters back into that along with the viewer. Yeah, he's like, it, he, and he's it goes back to he's out of line, but he's got a point. <laughs> That's yeah, it's it. like uh, it goes back to where you know, he, like you have antagonists, we have vil- we have villains, but they're not like your, your like the villain. Like, ha ha ha. I would say I'm, with Zemo, uh, he does feel more developed than most Marvel villains. Because yeah, I'm that's a, personally, it's it's a nice thing to see. Uh, it's definitely a benefit of this uh, television format. Yes. Because typically, most Marvel villains are like, "Oh, I'm gonna destroy everything." Oh, exactly. Then, I'm going to the the world. Can't come in and save the day. Okay. That's- we'll say with the recent Marvel villains, with the exception of um, I can't remember his name, that says something. With the exception of Jude Law's character from Captain Marvel, um, like with characters like Killmonger, with characters like um, um, uh, with characters like Killmonger, with characters like Vulture, and then with Baron Zemo, even going back and watching Civil War. Uh, it, they do kind of, be, they do are kind of starting to lean to those villains that have a little more dementia, a little more depth. Because I was yeah. talking to, um, I was talking to Jen, and I said, I said, you know, if they weren't setting up Sinister Six, I could completely see Vulture becoming part of the Thunderbolts with someone like Baron Zemo. Mm-hmm. Like he could almost be like the uh, evil Falcon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think when, when we're talking about the where Marvel is is released this uh, Zemo cut here, um, and they're using that as a way to kind of disarm us a little bit about Zemo, and we're getting into like, is he like kind of redeemable or is he not? I think that's one of the themes of this show. Mm-hmm. I think that's something. Yeah, it's it's. I think the show is really trying to get to um, the core of whether or not everybody is is redeemable and. I think that's something that you have to remember about like what made uh, Steve Rogers Steve Rogers is even though he had Bucky in front of him as somebody who was his trained assassin and who was willing to kill him, uh, he threw down his his shield and you know kind of believed in his friend enough. And then also Zemo is still around because uh, because Black Panther took mercy on him. Yes. it wasn't necessarily a moment where. He was looking for redemption for for Zemo, but he didn't want to take it as far as everybody else is wanting to take it. He didn't, in his own words, be consumed by by vengeance. I think he chose the wrong moment to do so, but yeah. And so that's something where we get to see um, hints of why Steve gave Sam the shield is is because um, really in in discussions about what to do about Carly and the, and the flag smashers. Sam has kind of consistently been the one to be like, you know, she's just a kid. She's been radicalized. She, um, like when they have the whole conversation, they have this whole like heart to heart, like she's ready to almost take his side before, um, fucking John Walker walks up, isn't it? John Walker Uh, walks everything. Yeah, this is what I really like about this show. This episode specifically, it feels like it's a Marvel show with actual weight. Like, it feels like more of a... It skirts the PG-13 to our line, but just mm-hmm. so much. 
And I feel like these shows give it a more of an avenue to do so compared to like a typical Marvel movie. I gotta say, like, 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 um, like I was telling, like I was telling Michael the other day, this has got me really excited for to see what they do with Moon Knight because Moon Knight is he's a psycho, he's a schizo who skids, who cuts off people's faces. That's why I'm like, I don't think girl. they're gonna be able to get that version of Moon Knight because Marvel does tend to stay toward PG thirteen. But seeing what they've done here in terms of the um, leaning into those darker concepts and the more violent concepts, where you can actually get the way to, to with it to a degree, um, makes me excited to see what they can't what they will do with the show. I just think that they'll end up uh, not that they won't do some of those elements. I feel they'll have to make it to more uh, agreeable with most fans. So they will probably be changing elements of Moon Knight. To make it to make it a more a little bit more palatable to the mass audiences. Exactly. I, I, I see what you're getting. I, I see what you're getting, Dan. It's just yeah. It's like they're fo- they're following the Marvel formula to see what works and what's what stick. You know what what sticks. A good example is like in Civil War, they changed uh, how the school bus was the big uh, target. Instead, they did the whole building with no actual people being seen in that specific movie. So you didn't really have to have the grotesque uh, destruction of the building. You just were told about it, but you never actually got to see it. Well, although in Civil War, uh, it was uh, Nitro blowing up a school, so we didn't necessarily see any gore. But I see what you mean. Uh, But I think, but the fact that they're going to be, I think there was uh, some news about they're still going to be pursuing uh, Punisher, and they're also going to be letting Deadpool be rated R. I think there there's room for it. Uh, I, I even right, uh, submitted myself. Flag, I submitted though. myself to the first episode of Hellstrom to see if maybe there's going to be hints of uh, the darker tones, but I, I couldn't watch that show, and it's it was canceled anyway, so it doesn't really matter at this point. But um, well, already, I, uh, as far as the Deadpool thing, they already said it's going to be under one of the other banners. It's not going to be a specifically Disney show. It's going to be a Disney, uh, like like one of the like a twentieth century picture, uh, century pictures type thing or whatever. They're probably not going to do like the logo, but it's still technically going to be a Disney since it's under that whole banner. Right? But, no, um, I'm not. I, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying like they're not going to do a straight Disney film. It's going to be like under one of their yeah. sub companies. Is what I'm getting at. But um, I'm honestly going, I'm happy that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to see that they're definitely touching on some of those uh, deeper uh, tones and you know, playing with those elements. And, and really when we're talking about uh, the, the politics of what they're getting into, because people are, are really getting into whether or not Carly is too far gone in this episode. And because as part of the flashback, we get to touch upon the fact that she did kill some people with a car bomb. So yeah, there's this mm-hmm. big discussion about whether or not she's she's too far gone, and Sam wants to uh, find that redeemable quality in her. And it, it was a, definitely a risky move to to talk to her while she's you know in mourning. But uh, you have to remember, and he do remind us in this episode that he does have that history of talking to people who have been through a lot of trauma. So he, he, he's, yeah. like you said, this is his wheelhouse. And he does start to make a lot of good headway and even kind of forces Carly to confront the contradictions and like the bullshit about her 
own like radicalization and it was like oh if you just let him you know get to that point (laughs) where she like untangles the own her own knot of her anguish then maybe something could have happened but no enter john walker yeah before we get into that though i will say that i mean they've already kind of established that with uh when he went in with bank manager, he was just all prideful thinking, Hey, I'm a superhero. Clearly I'm going to get my sister to this loan. It's the same thing, but from an angle of the flag smasher, he thinks he could save the flag smasher. It's the same thing as he tried to save his sister, the family business. He has a trend of this. It's not anything new. Uh, it's just more of the same uh, problems that he's been running into as a character where he thinks he can save everybody when there's a situation where it's literally beyond saving. Part of me doesn't want to believe that Carly's character is beyond saving. Because even with everything that's happened... Car bomb, dude. Yeah. Um, I kind of come from a, uh, from a similar mindset as, as Sam does in this situation. And like looking at his history and looking at the people around him and him just being... The human, the normal guy who he doesn't like. Yeah, he has his wings. He's not an Iron Man. He doesn't have super serum. Um, He's just a he's just a person. He's just that he just brings that heart. He has the savior complex. Part of me just really wants him to succeed because of the fact that he he that in in so many ways he feels like he can. It's a savior complex, though. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. I mean, I get where you're coming from. It's like at the same time, you could you know. Uh, assign that to to Steve. You could assign that to like pretty much any superhero. Um, I, I think maybe it does show a little bit of growth because it, going back to the earlier episodes, he does have that sense of uh, like 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 you're saying, Dan. Like I can get this done for you, and it's kind of like from that uh, that point of view where where John's at right now. Because he's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm an Avenger, and he's like, he even pulls that out. He tries to play that card, like you know, don't maybe mm-hmm. maybe you recognize me, and so and and John is definitely like that in this episode. Because if you if if you notice, like he's pretty much almost always wearing a Captain America uh, outfit. He's all carrying a shield. He always wants the recognition. He always wants the respect. Whereas you know, Steve didn't really go out looking for those things. That just kind of happened. And I think uh, Sam is is trying to uh, get a little bit more grounded, like like Ian is saying, and, and it's good because that's the only way he can really connect with uh, with Carly, and it's the only way that he can, I guess, on some level, connect with Zemo as well, because Zemo can't really tolerate super people, and I think that Carly respects the fact that he isn't a super person, and he's coming from her. He's coming at her from a place where he, you know she knows that he was vulnerable at some point too, and that's why he says like I understand you, I understand the loss, and that's important uh, for her to see. But like we're saying, fucking, fucking John Walker. Here we go. <laughs> there's a moment. There's two moments I want to touch on before we move into this because I know that we're going to be uh, on this till the end. Uh-huh. Um, there's actually two moments of Baron Zemo. Uh, one was basically where they found it when they found when they found out where the funeral was going to be, where Carly was going to be. You see the oh, difference yeah. with the with the and with the uh, the candies and every, and with the uh, Turkish delight. You see the difference in the way that Bar- the, the way that Zemo and assess the situation, get what he needs versus um, Sam and Bucky. 
Yeah. And when you watch those scenes and you see how slick he is about it, you always get that moment, especially when he tells them as the children that those are bad men. Like part of me kept waiting for that other shoot to drop for him, for all of a sudden the kids would betray them, somebody would betray them there. And I'm actually really glad that didn't happen. Because I feel like that would have been kind of kind of lazy storytelling, but at the same time, I'm wondering if he's going to go back to them at some point and use that. It's to be like, oh, these are bad men, go after them, and use his ability to use his charisma and his ability. Here, have some, I ones. have candy and cash. Yeah. Go after them. I mean, I'd go for that. I'm pretty stupid. I'd be like, oh, Turkish delighting in money? All right, cool. Who are you? Where, where, I don't where, care. I, where I signed up, Mr. Zemo? <laughs> um, I wanted to mention that because I thought the whole scene was really well executed and made for a good lead up uh, to the sequence to the scene that we're going to discuss. Also, there's a moment that mentioned the fact that he also like crushed all the vials early on. Crush, crush, yeah. crush. And the one that Walker keeps for himself. Like, we know but, where this is going. Hmm. The funny thing is, Falcon kind of fucked up without realizing it. Because, oh, so. what does he, because what does he tell Walker in front of Zemo? He's just going to engage you and do his stupid held head tilt thing. Yeah. And Zemo's not dumb. He was looking for that. If you notice the moment that, because he knows that Walker is very headstrong and mm-hmm. basically very emotional, very intense, and puts that before real thought. And the moment he does the head tilt, if you notice Zemo, that's when he starts to take control of the situation. Right. He knows what he knows what to look for um, in terms of a uh, in terms of people's tells because of what Sam mentioned in front of him. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's and it was kind of that Zemo didn't really need to push Walker to like make that mistake of not giving Sam enough time to talk to Carly. Like he just kind of he fucked up on his own. Were you guys kind of like, surprised that Zemo didn't take a vial for himself? I'm not because it, it, it would it, not have made sense with his history that way they yeah, he has like a co- he has like a code going on so no yeah that's true I get that especially because of his family I remember he's mentioned his he's mentioned his son before and it's like yeah the thing that took his family away from his eyes I think he'd ever want that for himself no I just I just like the fact that Zemo you know he, he's the chess master he's like playing everyone like a fiddle. Exactly. But it's like a goddamn fiddle! And a fiddle I can jig to, and, a, and a fiddle he can jig to for an hour. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so can we see. talk about how um, how John Walker got his ass beat by the Doras? Yes. It's like, um, people are like, are like clapping and you're like, yeah, go! Can't go to the curb! And meanwhile, uh, Bucky and Sam are like, or it's basically the, the equivalent of them eating popcorn while the drama is going on. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like looking, looking good there, buddy, and he's like getting his ass beat so bad. Like I don't. But it's also a moment he... where it's also a moment where John Walker realized, like, wait a minute, they're not super soldiers, and that's that how his like his ego is like shattered. Yeah, and that moment, the, the moment he touched the shoulder, I'm like, dude, don't touch that shoulder. So you get no. That's so you get no arm back. Speaking of which, which oh, that's what? like a bro. Don't do it. Don't no. Don't bro. Don't yeah. do it. No. Maybe, maybe he saw it in the Spider Verse and he was like, "Hey," but it didn't really work. It kind of had the opposite effect. <laughs> no, don't do. Don't do it, Walker. You're married. I think. I don't know. 
But um, it, it was it was good to see that uh, Sam and Bucky weren't necessarily willing to let uh, willing to let uh, Jaw Walker get his ass beat. I mean, they did try to intercede on his behalf, even though because uh, Battlestar was getting uh, completely overpowered and outclassed. And you do see, in a sense, you get to see Bucky and you get to see Walker both essentially neutered in this scene. Um, Ao basically pulls like this, uh, almost looks like a uh, like a five finger exploding, a uh, five finger exploding heart technique on him, like deactivates his, his shoulder there, doot, and doot, doot. Uh, he loses so his cool. arm, and then uh, Walker loses his shield, and then the Doras give it back to him, like in such a demoralizing way, and they're just like, eh, here you go. I know we mentioned it earlier. We've got to talk about the um, the death of Battlestar. Is, is it weird that even though I kind of expected this to happen, that I didn't necessarily want this to happen? But like Dan, like you said earlier, it's interesting how they took that cliche, you know, of the uh, of the the death of the death of like the sidekick or the or the teammate to motivate the other character. But because you have someone who's already mentally fucked up, um, it motivated him to to become something much much worse. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's worth noting at that point, um, it becomes clear because they're Carly. They did have plans that they talked about. Flag Smashers had plans about killing Captain America because they they had that scene earlier where they were retrieving the vials, and the other Flag Smasher was talking to Carly about how he used to be a Captain America fan, and it's very. I thought it was a really good moment that they needed to have to show like why the flag smashers felt like people like Captain America and like the Avengers don't necessarily represent them were able to affect the change that they want to see in the world. It's because they see them as, as relics basically. Like they're still tool. Time. Yeah. And and Walker is on it's it's a really bad time to introduce this uh this douchey Captain America who is, you know, kind of proving her right in, in a way. But uh the the steps that they that they go to as they're trying to lure Captain America into a trap, um, and it was actually very uh, reminiscent. I felt like the uh, that whole setup, that building, it it really felt like it was straight out of uh, Winter Soldier. It looked like a similar setup. And I was looking at it, and I was like, is that the same damn set? But they go through that, and they end up. I, I thought maybe they killed. I'm glad that they didn't kill Battlestar off scene at least, because there was that whole part with like the gunshot. I thought maybe he was just going to go up and like find his body, but he did at least get a little bit of um, he get to, he got to jump into the action and have a little bit of a uh, a moment where he where he saved John. So at least he got to go out saving his friend. But it is kind of unfortunate mm-hmm. they did touch on that trope. But um, we we had to see what he was what he was made of. We had to see exactly like why he was not Steve Rogers because even Zemo has that moment where he says, "There's never been another Steve Rogers." because everybody's talking about whether or not it's the serum that's corrupting people and even Battlestar says like hey doesn't the serum just kind of like make you more of what you already are and it turns out what you know what was in John Walker wasn't necessarily as good as what was in Steve Rogers exactly at what point do you think he took the the vial though seems very quick and I think didn't didn't someone didn't someone like after last feeling so good or maybe that's my head talking and just the fact i took a vaccine i think 
Honestly, it Black. felt like he took it within minutes of get, of getting it. it. Shows how like most desperate and obsessed with the idea of having that strength he is. Yeah, because he even makes a, a little comment to to Bucky, where he's like, "Oh yeah, it's like real real good for you to you know act like you know you're a big man because you have that serum coursing through your veins." And it's it's kind of it was surprising, but it was it was one of those moments where it's like, "Oh, I guess you know this this fuck up needs to happen for this next scene." to happen the way we need it to is where uh you know bucky does let john walker past he doesn't pass him for some stupid reason and then they all take their eyes off of zemo um which is a really dumb thing to do but it, it got us to you know that moment where we get to see that john walker does not have that same mercy because a lot of people were bringing up the fact that um you know in response to battlestar getting killed he he doesn't have that mercy in him in the way that you know um, Steve had that mercy for for Tony when he was having that big old fight where Iron Man was about ready to, to kill his buddy and he he could have he could have killed he could have killed Tony but he didn't he stopped and not only that but he left the shield mm-hmm. and this time that didn't occur <laughs> no no it did not yeah this got I I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there as far as the moments of the MCU you mm-hmm. mentioned with Wandavision. Um, ha- what happened with Agatha and how Dan? I know you said that you felt that was one of the, probably one of the darkest endings for a villain of any mm. of the MCU characters. This is up there, if not more so. Oh, absolutely. Because because he let's let's not mince words. Yeah, we didn't see it, but more than likely, John decapitated him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with the bloody shield afterwards, he decapitated that man. Yeah, yeah, it that's seemed, gonna. Uh, it's worth all noting I, all that I know is very... A, sorry, Sandra, go ahead. I, all I know is, like, this is going to be a PR disaster for not only him, but the government, the U.S. government, and the Global Reparation Council. Yeah, that, that's basically the exact words that, that my wife said when we were watching the episode. So this, this is a PR nightmare, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, the meaning of the title of the show, The Whole World is Watching. And how, I absolutely uh, know what this means, though. Like in yeah, my opinion, the, yeah, like the the photo and uh, video journalism affecting the reception uh, of the Vietnam War. And this is mm-hmm. the video that everybody took of uh, of Walker killing this guy in cold blood is definitely going to affect their their feeling of, of Captain America. And it's worth noting that um, if he did in fact decapitate him, then it's it's uh, kind of like a callback to when. Um, uh, Steve decapitated uh, Baron Blood in the comic books. Is that uh, that panel where I think uh, I think it was uh, Union Jack was kind of even horrified by it, and he was like, "Whoa!" Is that is that in like um, in the six one six timeline, or is it like the ult- uh, Ultimate Marvel? No, that was that was six one six. Damn, that was uh... yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel this is going to lead to U.S. agent because what's going to happen is he won't be the representative of the U.S. anymore. But what's going to happen is the FBI, CIA, Shield, whatever is going to approach him and be like, "Hey, um, you can't be Captain America anymore. How about you become U.S. agent or uh, super uh, or Soldier Supreme or something to that effect?" I, I think that's I I, I think that's going to happen as well. They're basically going to tell him. Instead of instead of exposing him, they're gonna be like, oh, "Yeah, we we realized that he was a a problem, so we got rid of uh, John Walker, and then they bring in, they basically have him as like you said, um, uh, U.S. agent, 
or Soldier Supreme, but they don't have him reveal himself. They'll be like, oh yeah, we got a new person, and they just like, just keep him under wraps. Or if anything, they don't even mention him, and they basically treat him like a Black Ops weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's actually that's he, actually ideas because just making hush. Yeah, they could basically oh, yeah. turn him into the American version of the Winter Soldier. Yes. Oh. Oh, and since we saw the bloody red shield, you know what that means, Mephisto. <laughs> it's not. Somebody it's said not me. It's not me. It's Mephisto. It's Mephisto. He's crazy. Lock him up. Mephisto is controlling John after all. It's not me. It's a butterfly. His name is Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's what's inside my brain instead of knowledge. On yeah, the weekends, so the blood splatters in such a way that it, it it can be traced to a number four. So Fantastic Four confirmed. Somebody said Thane in that episode. Thing confirmed. So in so so predictions that the government will probably yank like the shield off of Walker. Like yoink, we're gonna move on to some, to someone else, just not you. Probably. Uh, I don't know that or just U.S. agent and and make him a mercenary, mercenary for hire. Basically, turn him convert him into Black Ops and um, pretty much say, oh yeah, we've. Uh, we put we put him in prison for the murder, and you realize it's literally just him right there. Except he's he's not a public figure anymore. Um, I also feel that this isn't over. Like as far as this between Sam, Bucky, and uh, John Walker, I feel like before he gets taken in, there's going to be some more conflict. So. Yeah, but at the meantime, they have bigger fish to fry. Cause cause I think in this in episode four, uh. Carly called uh, Sarah, Sarah Wilson, so, and yeah. basically said, "Yeah, so that was that scene that, was, that uh, got yeah was dark." I was thinking, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Car- Carly just says, "Like, hey, I have the coordinates." If basically threatened not only Sarah but but uh, Sam's nephews, her sons. Yeah, it's like okay, you don't, okay, we, I was going to, I was going to root for you for, even though you're a villain, but now you're like, you're killing, started to threaten ki- kids and civilians. Now, now, now. Oh, we did men- forget during the last episode, like how uh, they were pretending that uh, Falcon was like some, was that tiger dude. And then they called his sister and tried to make him like pretend like, like he was trying to make demands and, and orders to her until she said, she messes the kids at the end. It's gonna be an awkward conversation explaining what was going on to her that time. Funny, funny, they get stopped her again. What the fuck were you talking about, Sam? Oh, uh, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll probably down, be boiled down to a throwaway, throwaway line or two. Oh, absolutely. Or you just get slapped. If, if there's anything we've learned about Sam in these past couple episodes, is that he would make a terrible undercover cop <laughs> because he doesn't know how to turn off his phone. He doesn't know how to like subtly get information from people, and he kind of can't really because everybody knows who he is anyway. He just tries to walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey, can can you point me to this he direction?" This person, up. he's like, "You're the Falcon, dude. Like, piss off." He puts a thumbs up when he when he took a shot of like snake guts. It's like, so what's yeah. your name, sir? I'm Sam Criminal. <laughs> <laughs> also, that yeah, the snake shot. I forgot about that. <laughs> I gotta Ooh. prove that I'm a badass. Uh, yeah. So he, meanwhile, he was like twitching, like, "Oh god, you should have worn sunglasses," just like in the photo. I'm gonna say from episode three, which was, I would say, 
honestly, I'm gonna be honest. Like episode three, I had a lot of great ideas. It was two episodes worth of good ideas into one episode, and because of that, I'm gonna give episode three a three and a half out of four. Three and a half out of five. I'm gonna give episode four a five out of five. Three's like a three to me, and then five, uh, four was like a five out of five to me. Andrew, Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm gonna episode three a four, just because I'm naturally optimistic, and uh, and episode four, uh, it's the same. I'm gonna go ahead and give episode three a uh, three out of five. And just because of the issues I would have with the, you know, like Ian was saying, uh, just uh, a lot, a lot of weight and the, uh, the the time crunch of it, and uh, a lot of things were a little bit too uh, convenient. But uh, episode episode four, I'm probably gonna give like a four point five out of five because I appreciated the fact that they touched upon uh, a lot of the, the politics of it and the overall theme of uh, how far is too far for somebody mm-hmm. to be redeemed because they're definitely gonna have to touch on that and with, with what walker did at the end of the episode there's got to be that that conversation of do they keep him as captain america and how close no way, is he, how close is he to you know what everybody else is is uh is is, is considered for a, a villain you know because he's like straight up killing people in, in cold blood now just because he can so uh i do I have a theory be, go ahead dan what's your theory go ahead my theory is they'll double down. Be like, sometimes being Captain America, you have to do the dirty work. And in yeah. this case, we're going to back Captain America because that guy was a bad guy, and we're here to take out the bad oh, guys. Oh yeah, I like think that. they're gonna. I think the government is going to spin this. Yeah, there they're might gonna, be a spin. Yeah, I, I think that's entirely possible. But at the same time, I think it'll probably suit the time frame of what they need to wrap up to address it in more of a way that like, oh, you screwed up, kids. Sorry. We're going to move on to our next candidate to be Captain America because... Here, this is a guy named William Birdside. Yeah, like we've clearly shown that, you know, we can just put whoever we want in there and it doesn't necessarily have to be one guy and then he's going to have to deal with the fallout of like, oh, like, I, I thought I was Captain America and then I thought I had the powers that made me Captain America and now I'm, I'm, I don't have you know, the title anymore, so what the hell am I? So I think that's, that's probably a- what they're going to do in order to I you like know, satisfy the time constraint. Go ahead, I like Dan. that idea. Still have- I, I like that uh, idea because of the fact that it's not just a ma- the man who's, it's not John Walker's fault, it's the whole system's fault. Oh, they, yeah. they, they, the state has just thrust him upon him. He just wants to do his job. I feel that even if they do try to take him down, now that he has a super soldier serum, it's not going to be as easy as, like, turn in the shield is what I'm getting at. Yeah. There could be so many uh, factors playing against it just being as simple. You're done. Yeah. Because the, you do see in the trailers at some point they you know, there's Sam and there, there's Bucky. They're dicking around with the shield in the woods. They're, they're tossing it around. So there's, and that scene hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So it's like, how do they get the shield? Cause they definitely do at some point. Um, I feel like that's if, a, like if a they last need scene to, from, I feel like that's the yeah, last scene the last in the one. last episode. That that would be interesting if they showed us like the last scene of it, like as part of the trailer. And as as far as taking down John Walker, I mean, they could always just sick the the door melange on him again because uh, you did see the door melange. They they almost took down Killmonger when he was under you know the effects of the heart shaped herb. 
So they still might be able to take him out. I don't think they will because they want to, you know, have like Sam and Bucky do it, but that could be an option. I think the only disservice they did to those two is the fact they still haven't acknowledged their relationship from the comics. Who are we talking about? I mean, uh, the, the Wakandans, the fact that they're, they actually have a relationship in the comics. Oh, those two. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know what you mean. Yeah. I was like, Sam and, and Bucky? I'm, am I reading the No, no, no. The Wakandans. Uh, the, the, well, actually, case. we've only, the, well, in this case, we've only actually, uh, of the Wakandan, of the Wakandans, uh, Io is the only actual one from, was in um, Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. So that they showed both of them before, though, together. In that movie, oh, in Black Panther, yeah, but not in the show. Oh, no, I'm just saying they still need to establish that relationship in the MCU as a a whole. So, I was, oh, okay, I thought you were talking about this movie, and I'm like, the show, no, 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 no. sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to be confused. I just feel like they still do them a disservice by never acknowledging the relationship those two have in the comic. I completely agree. Um, it's the same issue I had with it in Black Panther. Oh. Uh, real quick before before we move into like our overall average rating for the show so far, uh, did anyone else have anything they wanted to touch on regarding this episode or the third episode? Uh, Let's see. Uh, hmm. Question: Who do you think out of the three antagonists will be like redeemed? Because uh, yeah, because I think for the fan like fandom loves to love redemption stories. At this point, I think Carly. I was going to pick any of the three. At the point where John Walker murdered a man on live TV, I don't see him being redeemable at that point. And considering all the previous things that Baron Zemo has done, um, Zemo's not redeemable. No, he's not at all. Zemo's going to be bottom on my list. I I don't think think Zemo's going to be captured at the end. He's going to get away, though. I think so, too. Yeah, I think it's it's basically being seen from a mile. He's the Loki of the. The new Loki. Yeah. Until we get the actual Loki. Basically. So I think I think uh, I think Carly first. John, uh, maybe not not now. Maybe like you know, give it like a few movies and TV shows later. Probably Zemo, not really. But he will get away with get away with it because I think Marvel is framing him as like, look at this goofy but evil person. Don't you love him? Oh, because he killed a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm actually gonna say that they might try to redeem Walker a little bit. I know that he did something terrible just now, but it might be another situation where uh, it goes against the grain of what we're expecting, Extreme like what we're like what we're talking about in terms of um, like, do we want this to end like in a, in a showdown between Sam and Walker, or do we want to see? Sam demonstrate the same kind of uh, humanity and compassion that he did with Carly, and will he, you know, show that to Walker as well, and kind of like talk him down and convince him to actually give up the shield willingly? Like, is that is that a possibility? That's something that, that could be an ultimate test for for Sam is like not resolving this with his his fists and with his uh, you know, in a knockdown fight. It could be you know talking him out of it and inspiring him to try to redeem himself and, you know, submit himself to the justice system and do it the right way and speaking to him as somebody who actually knew Steve and being like, hey, this is what Steve would do. So I think that would be an interesting way to do it because I think maybe the lesson that Sam is having to learn about Carly as she gets more and more radicalized is that, you know, there are people that you can't save. 
because he does have that tendency to volunteer himself to save people even when he doesn't necessarily have the power to like he did with his sister and like he's you know doing with sharon but um they, that might be the hard lesson that he has to learn with with carly is that she's not as redeemable as, as he would hope i can definitely see it going that way um that just out of curiosity because looking at the we finished the first four episodes if you were to give an average rating to the show so far based off these first four episodes out of five what would you say so far? It's taking every episode we've seen into account. I'll go. Can I go first? For it. I give it a four. A uh, four point. I know you. Are you? Are we doing like like that half season? This. Yeah, we can totally do. Okay, four four point five out of five. I know there's some things that are a little convoluted, but it's still like chef's kiss. Mwah. Uh, Anyone? Michael, Dan. Three point seven five out of five. Not doing 0.75s. Okay, we're not doing three fourths. Okay, then four out of five. Yeah, I would probably and give we're... it a four out of five as well. So we're not doing half C's. We're doing half C's, just not three quarters. Three um, quarters. I would say, I, I personally say 4.5 out of five. Because even though this third episode had its issues, um, episode one, two, and four were all extremely strong. And that's mm. that would be my overall rating so far. I even think the first episode was pretty strong, but I get you. I like the first episode just because of the, the psychological elements that they brought that they brought out before we got to before um, mix kind of mixed with that opening action. So we got kind of a little bit of both what to expect from the series in that first episode. I feel episode four did it better though. Yeah, we're also four episodes in. Hey, so that's just my opinion. I get, I get you. Yeah. So overall, so just to kind of summarize, I give it four and a half out of five. Sandra, you said four and a half out of five. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Michael, you sewed four out of five. Yeah. All right. So, with that, um, as we bring the show to a close, um, well, uh, where, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone find you on um, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever? You can find me at Sandra Soapbox, Sandra Soapbox through Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Cool. I'm on Discord and I'm on Instagram as Four Ducks Pilot of Mansu. Hmm. Oh, I'm on Discord and uh, as Falsy, and uh, I'm on Twitter as Falsy and um, other places. That's about it. And I'm on I'm on Twitter as Enarmac29, uh, which is a general private account. But um, you can find us on Circuit42 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can find this and many other Circuit 42 episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So with, and so with that, thank you for listening to the newest episode of Circuit 42, and have a great night, everyone. God bless America.